0: Of a global nuclear disaster? Or the likes of a Star Wars cosmic conflict? Are we on a countdown to the Battle of Armageddon? What does the future hold for our world? Have you tried to understand the prophecies of Daniel and Revelation only to be confused by all the symbols? These and many other amazing questions will be answered through this prophecy seminar. Yes, you can understand the books of Daniel and Revelation, and in the process, get to know God in a deeper way. Welcome to Prophecy Seminar, the book of Daniel. Here is your host, Pastor David Price. Well good
1: evening friends, it's my pleasure and privilege to welcome you to Prophecy Seminar lesson number 32 of a series of 32 lessons and programs. Tonight we are going to study an amazing topic where we're going to look at the kingdom of heaven and incorporate into that the study of the new earth. I think it's important that we begin by asking God to be with us. Let us pray. Our gracious heavenly father, this evening Lord, we thank you for being with us in the past and giving us wisdom and understanding and look forward to your blessing, guidance, and your special direction tonight under the power of the Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, friends, I'm going to begin uh, in the introduction to Lesson 32. We have spent over 30 times together in 31 past lessons, and tonight our final lesson, Prophecy Seminar, session number 32 in studying the book of daniel what an exciting adventure it has been how thrilling to understand the great prophecies of the book of daniel and what a tremendous message god has given us in that great old testament book so we've studied the great prophecies of daniel we've examined the stories of daniel And we've even seen how the stories illustrate the end time crisis predicted in the prophecies. The lesson then asks you to turn to the exhibit with the lesson and fill in the appropriate answers to each of the questions. I'm not gonna ask you to do that tonight. Many of you have already done that. I would ask you to do it soon though, so you don't forget. And I think it's a great reminder and remembrance of the themes of the study. Well, this exhibit will review the main point from each lesson. You will need to refer to your previous lessons for the answers. Also, at the end of this exhibit, there is a chart which parallels each of the prophecies in Daniel. Be sure to check it out often to get the broad picture of Daniel's predictions. Well. The book of Daniel has certainly given us a tremendous insight into what has happened in the past and what is going to happen in the future. So we have learned that God is totally in control of human events and that the whole world is headed toward that grand climactic event of history that is the second coming of Jesus Christ, the blessed hope. But the book of Daniel does not end with merely a recitation of world events. It also focuses on the ultimate kingdom that the saints inherit. That is the major focal point of most of the prophecies. And we cannot end this study of the book of Daniel without one final focus on our glorious inheritance. To do this, we'll study not only what the book of Daniel says about the final inheritance, but also what the book of Revelation reveals about the final home of the redeemed. So we have four discovery questions for you tonight. Number one, where do humans go when they die? Number two, why do we go to heaven for 1,000 years? Number three, what types of bodies, flesh or spirit, do we have in heaven And in the new earth. Number four, what is the main point of going to heaven? So please uh, join me um, halfway down page two in the lesson guide. If you're on YouTube, that uh, lesson guide is uh, downloadable and you can print it out um, in the description bar. We are on Daniel's final inheritance, which is lesson number 32, and our heading is Daniel's final inheritance. Would you join me in question number? 1. What was Daniel told that he would do until the very end? We're directed to Daniel chapter 12 and verse 13. The angel says, but you, Daniel, go your way till the end for you shall rest. Friends, this is not a reference to Daniel being tired and needing to take a nap or a brief period of sleep. In fact, Daniel was told that he, like all of God's saints who have died, will rest in the grave until Jesus comes and resurrects him. Question two, when the consummation, meaning the end of all things, happens, where will Daniel actually stand in Daniel 12, 13? Let's return there. The angel said, but you, Daniel, go your way till the end, for you shall rest and will arise to your inheritance at the end of the days. And there's the answer. Daniel was to arise to an inheritance. He was going to inherit something at the end of his days. Friends, there are only two rewards that come to us from this life. One is eternal life. The other is eternal death. Let me share with the note with you under question two. The New International Version translates this verse, Daniel twelve thirteen, in this way. You will rest, and then at the end of the days you will rise to receive your allotted inheritance. Daniel two shall receive the grand inheritance of the saints. The book of Daniel ends with this triumphant note for its writer. He who was faithful through all the tribulations of ancient Babylon will receive his final inheritance. Likewise, the people of God in the last days can take courage. They may go through very troublous times as Daniel did, but like Daniel, they shall receive their final inheritance at the time of the end. Question three, so how has Daniel described this final inheritance? And we're going to return to Daniel chapter 2 and verse 44, which is the chapter on the metal man. And in the days of these kings, that is the divided nations of Europe, the ten toes, and we live in the time of the ten toenails, the God of heaven will set up a one? He'll set up a kingdom. That's right, which shall never be destroyed. And the kingdom shall not be left to other people. It shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, meaning earthly kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. How has Daniel described this final inheritance on planet Earth in Daniel 2.44? In the days of these kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed the final inheritance of the saints is spoken of as a kingdom it's not a mystical spiritual place but a living reality it's a kingdom in a real time and a real place question four at the top of page three what will be given to the son of man at the time of the end in daniel 7 13 and 14. daniel writes i was watching in the night visions and behold one like the son of man friends that's jesus favorite title for himself coming with the clouds of heaven he came to the ancient of days and they brought him near before him. 14. Then to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom, that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away, and his kingdom, the one which shall not be destroyed. What will be given to the Son of Man at the time of the end? Then to him, the Lord Jesus Christ was given dominion, which is rulership and glory and a kingdom. Friends, it's an incredible thing to think about, isn't it? That Jesus Christ was going to be inaugurated in heaven in front of the whole universe. And he was going to be rewarded and given the kingdom of God. And he would reclaim the kingdom of God on earth. Notice the reality of the inheritance that Jesus Christ receives for his people. It's an actual dominion. It's an actual rulership, an actual jurisdiction. And it's also a very, very real kingdom. Question five to whom does christ give this kingdom and dominion in daniel 7 27 then the kingdom and dominion and the greatness of the kingdoms under the whole heaven shall be given to the people the saints of the most high his kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and all dominion shall serve and obey him to whom does christ give this kingdom and dominion this kingdom will be given to the saints of the most high remember i shared with you the definition of a saint the little girl in the church with the stained glass windows asking her father what is a saint as he was describing the stained glass windows and then she came up with her own answer she said daddy a saint must be someone the light shines through I guess the question that we need to ask ourselves are, are we people whom the light shines through? So, friends, right now we live in the kingdom of grace, but very soon we believe Jesus will come and deliver us into this kingdom, into this rulership, into this dominion, which is the kingdom of glory. Question six halfway down page three, as a result of the judgment, what do the saints actually possess in Daniel 7 and verse 22? Until the ancient of days came and a judgment was made in favor of the saints of the Most High and the time came for the saints to possess the kingdom. Friends, what did the saints possess? They actually possessed and took over this kingdom throughout the book of daniel it is very clear that this final inheritance to daniel along with all the redeemed they receive is a real kingdom so many people think of heaven as a place where saints float on clouds and strum harps but the bible pictures heaven the final inheritance of god's people as being a real kingdom The very words kingdom and dominion indicate the reality of our inheritance. So friends, if you look on the screen, promise me that one day you will uh, meet me here at the tree of life in the kingdom of heaven so that we don't have to part because we are going to meet again. Well, that leads us to our second heading tonight about Daniel's inheritance, let's have a look at the reality of a place called heaven. Question seven, what does Jesus call the inheritance of the saints in Matthew 25 and verse 34? The words of Jesus and the King will say to those on his right hand, come you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. So what does Jesus call the inheritance of the saints? He calls it a kingdom that was prepared, that was planned already before the world was founded. Isn't that a remarkable statement? Let's go to question eight. Where is this kingdom located now? Good question, isn't it? John 14, one to three. Let's go to the words of Jesus. Jesus said to his disciples, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Jesus was telling even his last day disciples to calm down and chill out. If you place your complete trust in the divine heavenly father, why can't you place your trust in him also and believe in him and trust in him? And that's the trust we need in these last days. Jesus said in my father's house, possibly better translated in my father's dwelling place, there are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. Friends, where is this kingdom now located? It's in his father's dwelling place in heaven. There are many mansions being prepared, and he went back to heaven to prepare that place for us. Again, notice the reality of the inheritance given to the saints. There is a special place prepared for them by Jesus. That place is in the Father's house. The Father's house is in heaven. What a glorious privilege God has given us. A special place has been prepared for us in heaven itself. Jesus has prepared that place especially for you. Wonder of wonders. And I have a place already prepared for me in the Father's house. And so do you. You know, friends, the Father is actually waiting for his children to come home you know some people seem to put off that decision i don't know what it is but they put off that decision to follow the lord jesus christ all the way friends this life will end in pain suffering and death but the life to come a life living for eternity is a life to grasp onto while we can often we put off a decision and that decision might never come again and so I want to tell you one more time tonight, the Father's waiting, and at any time, you can call upon him and ask him, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And that, of course, was the prayer to Jesus, wasn't it, by the thief on the cross. Question nine, when did the saints go to heaven in John 14 and verse three? Jesus said to the disciples, and if I go and prepare a place for you, here are the four greatest words in scripture, I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. Friends, isn't it amazing that the God of heaven, his son Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit actually want to spend time with us in the kingdom of heaven. We're not going to be locked up in a room somewhere. They want to actually spend time with us. Our God, our family of God, the Godhead is a social unit. They love to fellowship. They love to spend time. Friends, God's people are received into the kingdom of heaven at the second coming of Christ. When Jesus comes, all of the redeemed go to heaven with him. Remember, we do not get our rewards at death. No, we don't. Not even Jesus went to heaven at death. In fact, it was only after the resurrection on the third day, Resurrection Sunday. Remember, Jesus said to Mary Magdalene in the Garden of Eden, in sorry, Garden of Gethsemane in John 20 and verse 17, he said, delay me not, don't touch me, don't hang on to me, don't keep holding me, for I have not returned to my Father and to your father. So friends, the rewards come at the second coming of Christ for the righteous and at the third coming of Christ and the descent of the holy city, the new Jerusalem at the third coming, as we studied in previous lessons. Well, we are at the top of page four in question 10. How long do the righteous spend in heaven? That's a very, very important question. John the Revelator writes in Revelation 20, verse 6, Blessed and holy is he who has part in the first resurrection. Friends, that is the first resurrection of the righteous. Over such the second death, meaning the lake of fire, hellfire, has no power. But they, the righteous, shall be priests of God and of Christ, and shall reign with him in heaven. How long? There's our answer. It's actually 1,000 years. There is the reference in Revelation 20 to the millennium, the 1,000 years. Those who rise in the first resurrection have the privilege of spending 1,000 years in heaven with Jesus. And uh, if you want more, please go back and review Prophecy Seminar Lesson Number 16. So, friends, have a look on the screen. The thousand year period is uh jump started by the first resurrection which takes place right on the second coming of jesus the second coming and the return of jesus christ to the earth at that time the righteous dead are raised as you can see on the chart on the left hand side of the page the living saints the righteous are caught up um, with the angels and go back to heaven meanwhile the brightness of jesus coming slays the wicked and at this time satan is bound and uh, during the thousand years that the righteous are in heaven the wicked remain dead on the earth those who were wicked and in the graves when jesus come stays there those who were wicked and alive are destroyed by the brightness of his coming satan is bound to the earth by a chain of circumstances he cannot leave he's got nowhere to go and no one to tempt finally the righteous review god's judgments then The second resurrection is triggered off by Christ. The saints and the city descend. At this point of time, the second resurrection takes place and the wicked, dead are now raised. Satan is released to taunt taunt them and tempt them. They rush the city. The last judgment takes place. Satan and sinners are destroyed in the lake of fire. And then the earth is cleansed and renewed. Now that's what we're focusing on tonight the earth being cleansed and renewed and how that fits in with the time in heaven so friends where are you going to be which resurrection are you going to come up with um are you going to come up in the first resurrection because that's the one to come up in when jesus comes and go back to heaven with him or are you going to choose to come up in the second resurrection Friends, the destruction of the wicked are still all of God's children, and this breaks the heart of the Son of God. Friends, the fire that comes to cleanse the earth of sin and sinners is an absolute tragedy, but it has been chosen by those who wanted to spend eternity without God. Would you join me in question number 11? At the end of the 1,000 years, what does God create? We go to Revelation 21, verses 1 and 2. John writes, Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Also there was no more sea. Verse 2, Then I, John, saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven, from god prepared as a bride adorned for her husband so at the end of 1000 years what did god create he created a new heaven and a new earth friends what does this actually mean i'd like to direct your attention to the screen what is this new heaven i thought we were already discussing the kingdom of heaven up in the clouds but what is this new heaven maybe we need to research in greater depth some texts that are not in the bible if you have your Uh, pen handy you can then write down a few texts so we're going in search very briefly of the three heavens number one there is in uh paradise there the third heaven in second corinthians 12 1 to 4 paul had a vision uh he's speaking about himself very modestly he doesn't know if he went to heaven literally or whether he went in vision but he called that place paradise and that is the heavenly new jerusalem the third heaven he called it paradise the second heaven is described by king david in psalm nineteen one to 4 where he said the heavens declare the glory of god what about the first heaven i saw an angel standing in the sun and he cried with a loud voice saying to all the fowls that fly in the midst of heaven misu uranu and so friends this is the first heaven revelation 19 verse 17 this is actually the earth's atmosphere but friends, what's important is that God has to actually cleanse our atmosphere because it is very, very polluted. Planet Earth needs a new atmosphere. Why is that? Well, one of the reasons is that the ozone hole, the ozone layer at the, uh, at the top and bottom of the Earth has been destroyed. Here's a picture of August 79. Then uh, 22 years later, here's the ozone hole. You can see how bad it is and it's increased. And then in September 2005, it is a significant area over Antarctica. Then you can see how it is increasing. And then in the last couple of years, it's even breaking out of bounds. And it is actually increasing exponentially. Friends, God has to actually send a lake of fire to cleanse up all the space junk, all of the PCBs, all of the chemicals and contaminants, that have destroyed planet Earth, including all the space junk. The note says at the end of the 1,000 years, the wicked are completely destroyed and cease to exist, and we covered that in Lesson 18. The Earth is then recreated and becomes the home of God's people. John reminds us that there is a new heaven, meaning a new atmosphere is created. At the same time, the Earth is created recreated as a second garden of eden question 12 what did jesus say that the meek would inherit the earth what did he say the meek would eventually inherit friends in matthew 5 5 jesus said blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth friends meekness is not Weakness, and it is apparent that Moses was one of the meekest men ever, extremely humble and very aware of his limitations. Well, after spending 1,000 years in heaven, this recreated earth is given to God's people for their inheritance, and they come down and recreate and they come down to the recreated earth. Well, what kind of bodies will the saints have in the new earth in Philippians 3 and verse 21? paul wrote to the church of philippi who god the one god is the one who will transform our lowly meaning humble or vile bodies sinful that it may be conformed to jesus glorious body according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to his himself so what kind of bodies will the saints have in the new earth then God and Jesus will transform our lowly body that it may be conformed to his glorious body. And so our bodies will be like Christ's glorified, resurrected body. Well, let's go to question 14. What kind of body did Jesus have after the resurrection? Did he have a spirit body or did he have a flesh and blood body with bones? We're going to go to seven verses here in Luke 24. 36 to 43 and god bless all of you who do your lessons during the week you will get so much more out of it when you go through it a second time all right let's go to luke 24 verse 36 to 42 the context is jesus has died on the cross and the uh, the disciples are meeting in an upper room for fear of the jews and at this time jesus is going to appear to them but they become very afraid luke 24 verse 36 Now, as they, the disciples, said these things, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and said to them, Peace to you. But the disciples were terrified and frightened and supposed they had seen a spirit. And Jesus said to them, Why are you troubled and why do doubts arise in your hearts? You know, it must have been absolutely heartbreaking for Jesus. He taught the disciples for three and a half years. He'd said the words, destroy this body and in three days i will raise it up instead of greeting him and saying jesus is back he's resurrected just as he said they become afraid they think he is a ghost so jesus has to say behold my hands and feet that it is i myself handle me and see for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see i have when he had said this he showed them his hands and his feet Well, friends when they saw the nail scarred hands and feet they knew they were dealing with jesus but while they still did not believe meaning fully and wanted to relax and be in joy uh, and marveled he said to them have you any food here jesus is going to do the body test So they gave Jesus a piece of a broiled fish and some honeycomb. Friends, broiled does not mean boiled. Broiled means oven grilled. It means grilling with a cover over rather than a griller, which can be just something piece that is grilled without a cover and not done in an oven. So Jesus took the broiled fish and honeycomb and he ate it in their presence. Did the fish and the honeycomb drop on the ground? well the scripture doesn't mention it friends what kind of body does jesus have after the resurrection he gave us the answer didn't he he said a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see i have friends jesus resurrected body had flesh and bones he ate before the disciples everything about his body indicated that it was real it was not a spirit body it was a physical body. Likewise, the saints will have bodies like Christ's body. Since we will have real physical bodies, will we will recognize and know each other just as the disciples knew their resurrected Lord? Let me give you an extra text that you can jot in here before we get to question fifteen. The text I want to share with you is First Corinthians thirteen twelve. The question is: Will we be recognizable in heaven? Because you will be so gorgeous. You'll be so handsome and so strong that the question is, will we have name tags on to tell people who we were used to be on planet Earth? So we will be recognizable in heaven. What does God's word say? First Corinthians 13, 12, For now we see in a mirror dimly. I think the King James says we peer into a mirror darkly. But then face to face, Paul says, Now I know in part, but then. I shall know just as I also am known. What does this mean? Friends, we'll see it all then. We'll see it all as clearly as God sees us, knowing him directly just as Jesus knows us. So yes, we will be recognizable. Absolutely. Question 15, what kind of activities will the saints do in the new earth? We're in Isaiah 65, 17, 21 and 22 for behold i create new heavens and a new earth god says and the former shall not be remembered nor come to mind i'm going to come back to that sentence it's quite curious isn't it the former shall not be remembered nor come to mind verse 21 of isaiah 65 they shall build houses and inhabit them they shall plant vineyards and eat their fruit They shall not build and another inhabit due to war and being displaced as captives. They shall not plant and another eat their crops. For as the days of a tree, so shall be the days of my people. And my elect shall long enjoy the work of their hands. Friends, there's a statement in there I thought you might have found remarkable. For as the days of a tree, so shall be the days of my people. Exactly what does that mean? I remember recently we planted a tree on uh, our rural property and you know what, there was an incredible drought and that tree died. So how can it mean for us the days of a tree, so shall be the days of my people? Well, let me give you some extra information. Does anyone know what these trees are? Has anyone been to California, USA? Friends, this is the California redwood and the giant redwood which is an evergreen, long-lived, monoecious, meaning male and female, tree living 1,200 to 1,800 years or even more. This species includes the tallest trees on Earth, reaching up to 115.5 metres in height, even without the roots, and up to nearly 8 metres diameter at human chest height. Friends, isn't this incredible? So, what the writer is trying to tell us is that the ancients remembered that trees live for long periods of time, in fact, beyond their lifetimes. So, trees in ancient times almost seem to live forever. Well, what kind of activities will the saints do in the new earth? They shall build houses and inhabit them, they shall plant vineyards and eat the fruit. Did you realize that Jesus has prepared for you a a city residence, a mansion in the city, the new Jerusalem, but you can also go out and build a house in the country. Isn't this great news that in the future, there will be no bank loans and no mortgages and no rent. Friends, the Bible describes real people doing real activities in the new earth. Heaven is not a flimsy fiction made up of harps and clouds and spirits but it's a living vibrant reality so what's going to be done in heaven well there's going to be building and planting hobbies and work there'll be plenty to do in heaven let me share with you from my favorite writer in the book education in heaven every power will be developed every capability increased the grandest enterprises will be reached the highest ambitions realised. And still there will be arising new heights to surmount, new wonders to admire, new truths to comprehend, fresh objects to call forth the powers of body and mind and soul. And that's education, page 306307. Would you join me halfway down page five? Our next heading, number three, is what will heaven actually be like? Question 16. Well, how does the Bible describe the beauty of the new earth in Isaiah 35, 1 and 2? The wilderness and the wasteland shall be glad for them, and the desert shall rejoice and blossom as the rose. Friends, you have to remember when Jesus comes back, The wicked are destroyed by the brightness of his coming. The uh, cities of the nations fell in Revelation, and so the earth is broken and smashed to pieces. So the wilderness and wasteland shall be glad in the recreation of the earth at the end of the thousand years after the fires go out. The desert shall rejoice and blossom as a rose. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice, even with joy and singing. The glory of Lebanon shall be given to it. Now, wait a minute. Let's pause what is the glory of Lebanon? What was Lebanon known for in the time of David and Solomon? Yes, I think you remember those magnificent trees called the cedars of Lebanon. And so the glory of Lebanon shall be given to her, the excellence of the mountains Carmel and Sharon. They shall see the glory of the Lord, the excellency of our God. So how does the Bible describe the beauty of the new earth? It's a bit overwhelming, isn't it? The desert shall rejoice and blossom as the rose. Friends, there's no argument, is there, that a desert is the most dreary place one can imagine on the present earth. But the Bible says in the new earth, the desert will look like a rose garden. Can you even begin to imagine what the rest of it will look like? Heaven will indeed be very, very beautiful question 17 how does the bible describe the peacefulness of the new earth in isaiah 65 and verse 25 the wolf and the lamb shall feed together the lion shall eat straw like the ox and dust shall be the serpent's food they shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain says the lord friends no more carnivorous activity everyone will be herbivores and they will enjoy fresh fruit and vegetables. Friends, you'll be eating nothing that had a face. So how does the Bible describe the peacefulness of the new earth? Well, it's kind of remarkable, isn't it, that the wolf and the lamb shall lie down or feed together. How does that work? Well, imagine the ferocious wolf and the gentle lamb feeding together. No more wonderful picture of peace could be given than this. In fact, the new earth will be a peaceful home. There'll be no more wars, no more bloodshed, no more strife, and heaven will be peaceful. Friends, don't you think heaven will be most enjoyable and most beautiful for children? It will be absolutely amazing. And you can see that young man in the illustration um, about, I think, to pat the lion on his nose. Question 18, what will God finally remove from the new earth? Revelation 21 and verse 4, there's something bad that has to be taken out. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away wonderful 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 praise the lord that god takes away tears he takes away the great enemy of mankind which is death therefore there's no sorrow nor crying and there won't be people in pain chronic pain that goes on 24 7 where people cannot get relief even by using strong painkillers friends i just want to reference this uh passage at the bottom of revelation 21 and verse 4 what does it mean there shall be no more pain what does it mean for the former things have passed away if you've got your pen handy you might like to jot down this text we're going to look at isaiah 65 we're going to look at verse 17 then we're going to go back to the previous verse verse 16 so we're in isaiah 65 looking at verse 17 then looking at verse 16 we want to find out what does it mean that the former things have passed away people ask me when I get to heaven what if my loved ones aren't there what if I'm thinking about them all the time Isaiah 65 17 God says for behold I create new heavens meaning a new atmosphere and I recreate a new earth a surface on the planet of planet earth and the former shall not be remembered nor come into mind what is the former well the previous verse actually tells us so that he who blesses himself in the earth shall bless himself in the god of truth because the former troubles are forgotten and because they are hidden from my eyes friends what is the former in verse 17 the former is the former troubles are forgotten they are hidden from our eyes Well, commentators offer up a number of interpretations of what this means. One might be that our painful memories are wiped. How could that happen? Well, if you're a musician or understand music, you would be aware that there are 24 track recorders and extra tracks on top of that. And you can record piano and violin and trumpet and strings, but you can then go back and mute that trumpet even after it's recorded you can see there above the sliders on this mixing desk the orange square that has mute on it friends if you don't like the trumpet you can stab that button and it mutes the trumpet i'm wondering if the god of heaven is able to take away either the pain from us of that memory or even the memory this is what we don't know there's another interpretation that the things of this world are not worth remembering The former things won't come to mind because they're not worth remembering in comparison to what? Well, maybe my favorite text in Romans 8.18 will explain. Paul wrote to the church in Rome, for I reckon that the sufferings of this present time. Friends, are you suffering? Are you going through hell and back? For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time. What's it now say? Say it with me. They are not worthy to be what to even be compared with the glory which shall be revealed to us the glory of the father the glory of the son and the glory of the holy spirit friends what wondrous hope what a glorious future no death no pain no tears no suffering no wonder heaven Will be a happy home and friends i've already told you why it's going to be happy. There'll be no money exchange There'll be no mortgages. There'll be no banks and there'll be no financial stress and I hope that you can say Amen, amen Amen. Question 19 we're at the top of page 6 What will the inhabitant not say in the new earth? Oh, what a fantastic text this is. Isaiah 33 and verse 24. And the inhabitant will not say, I am what? I am sick. Friends, we know organ recitals in heaven, meaning people will not be complaining about their illnesses, their aches and pains, their dodgy eyes or that they can't hear properly. Friends, also, when we get to the kingdom of heaven we will be delivered from disease and viruses and degeneration and all of these things isn't that fantastic question 20 what happens to those who've had deformities in this world in other words what about those who've suffered from being handicapped or disabled we go to isaiah 35 And verses 5 and 6, God cares for those who are suffering. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. Then the lame shall leap like a deer, and the tongue of the dumb sing. For waters shall burst forth in the wilderness, and streams in the desert. Friends, you can see what a beautiful picture this is painting of the kingdom of heaven. So what happens to those who are disabled in this life? Well, the blind will be able to see, their eyes will be open, the deaf will be able to hear, the lame man will be leaping around like a deer, and those who have been struck dumb will be able to sing with the best of them. Isn't this absolutely fantastic? Imagine the sight as the scales fall from the blind man's eyes and he sees Jesus. As the lame man leaps for joy and the deaf hears the voice of Jesus calling. In this picture of the new earth, there's no deformity. Everyone is fully restored. So friends, uh, crutches could be thrown away. Wheelchairs are left destitute because Jesus Christ is the great healer, and everyone is restored as they come out of the graves at the second coming. They will be absolutely perfect in mind, soul, and body. It's worth every effort, isn't it, that we're putting in today in Bible study, prayer, and in helping others to be ready for that great day. Question 21, how else does the Bible describe the New Jerusalem in glorious terms? Having the glory of God, her light, the city, was like a most precious stone like a jasper stone clear as crystal so friends i want you to remember that word jasper because we're going to talk about that gem in a moment how else does the bible describe the new jerusalem it is lit up by having the glory of god friends there's no power bills in heaven no disconnections no running out of power no cold showers (laughs) isn't that great news absolutely fantastic well let's get a sense of heaven in terms of plant and equipment and logistics we're going to now describe in concrete terms the glorious holy city we're going to revelation 21 can i look at verses 12 to 21 you've looked up all of those we'll look at some of those let's get a sense of how the city is constructed and what is important Also, the New Jerusalem had a great and high wall with 12 gates. You'll notice there's a number all the way through the description that's very significant, 12. What does that mean? Can you think of 12 in the Old Testament? Of course you can. There were 12 tribes. New Testament, 12. There were 12 disciples, 12 apostles. And here in the New Jerusalem, there's the linking of 12. There's 12 gates. So 12 apostles, 12 tribes. 12 disciples, 12 gates. It links the Old Testament church, the New Testament church with the heavenly church. So the city had a great and high wall with 12 gates and 12 angels at the gates and names written on them, which are the names of the 12 tribes of the children of Israel, which we just referenced. 13, there'll be three gates on the east, three on the north, three on the south and three on the west. And four sides by three, we get again the number 12 we're in revelation 21 verse 14 now the wall of the city had 12 foundations very important and on them were the names of the one the 12 apostles of the lamb and he the angel who taught with me had a gold reed to measure the city its gates and its wall the city is laid out as a square its length is as great as its breadth and he measured the city with the reed, 12,000 furlongs. Its length, breadth, and height are equal. Let's answer A, B, C, and D, describing the city. Friends, 12 gates built on 12 foundations with the names of the 12 apostles. Remember the city is laid out as a square and it's 12,000 furlongs. All right, we need to get 12,000 furlongs into modern understanding. So a furlong is one-fifth or 20% of a kilometre. So 12,000 furlongs divided by five gives us 2,400 kilometres, uh, which is absolutely incredible. All right, we're still describing the city, looking at the wall and the streets. Then he measured its wall 144 cubits, which just happens to be one. 144 is 12 by 12 according to the measure of a man that is of an angel the construction of its wall was of jasper remember that color and the city was pure gold like clear glass 19 of revelation 21 the foundations of the wall of the city were adorned with all kinds of precious stones the first foundation was jasper the second sapphire the third chalcedony the fourth emerald the fifth sardonyx the sixth sardius the seventh chrysolite, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth chrysoprase, the eleventh jacinth, and the twelfth amethyst. The twelve gates were, here it is again, twelve pearls. Each individual gate was of one pearl, and the street of the city was pure gold like transparent glass. Friends, you know how beautiful pearls are, don't you? And here in Australia, uh, in uh, Western Australia, off the coast, there are these beautiful pink pearls, paspale pearls, They're absolutely gorgeous. So here is an artist reproduction, uh, which are Pat Marvenko-Smith. I've paid for these images, all of them. And you can see there that as you would look through the gate, that that might be one artist's depiction of looking through the gate describe the glorious holy city 144 cubits walls made of jasper and city made of pure gold streets of city are pure gold well friends i'm going to go to god's word now and i am going to read out these gems and i want you to identify them on the screen you'll notice how many different shades of green they are it's absolutely fantastic so we're going to look at the jewels and the foundations of the new jerusalem i'm going to read from god's word in the new uh, king james version and i'm reading in revelation 21 from verse 18 to 21 have a look on the screen the construction of its wall was of jasper have a look on the screen bottom right there is the jasper a yellowy green color And the city was a pure gold like clear glass. Verse 19, the foundations of the wall of the city were adorned with all kinds of precious stones. The first foundation was of jasper. The second, sapphire. There it is in the blue on the screen top. The third, chalcedony, um, which is agate. The fourth was emerald. The fifth was uh, sardonyx or onyx which is black, the 6th was Sardius, also known as Carnelian, the 7th was Chrysolite, the 8th was Beryl, the ninth was Topaz, the 10th was Chrysoprase, the 11th Jacinth and the 12th Amethyst. The 12 gates, verse 21, were 12 pearls. Each individual gate was of one pearl and the street of the city was pure gold, like transparent glass. Friends, I remember being on a missionary trip in northwest Western Australia. And my friend was a prospector and he got his, uh, his electric machine out and uh, his sensor machine and he was then looking for valuable finds. And he showed me that an old brown dirty rock as it was smashed in half had this beautiful color inside but only when you poured water over it and that was chrysoprase which is the bottom right a beautiful milky white green color so friends it's absolutely fantastic isn't it what god has prepared what an amazing and absolutely perfect city One furlong equals one eighth of a mile, which would make the city 1,500 miles in circumference or 2,400 kilometers all the way around. 375 miles on each side or 600 kilometers containing 140,625 square miles. Now the wall was 144 cubits or 216 feet high, which is 64 meters high. This makes an absolutely glorious city unlike any city ever seen on planet Earth. Well, let's have a look at the screen because some of you are going to say, how big is this city? So we're going to put it in terms you might understand. We're going to bring the holy city, the New Jerusalem, down and map it in the eastern coast of Australia. So let's start from Sydney. And let's go up nearly to Brisbane, but let's go from Sydney to Ballina. We're then going to head west through uh, Lismore, Warwick and under St. George, not quite to Cunnamulla, And then we're going to head down through Bolton, through Burke, Cobar, Cubba, and then head west back through Parks, Orange, and the Blue Mountains to Sydney. Friends, each one of those walls is 603.5 kilometres or 375 miles on each side which is a total of 2400 kilometers so if you were to say to someone in heaven let's go jogging around the city hmm, you might want to think about that twice or maybe you would prefer to fly if that is possible friends this is some city you know today we think new york city is pretty amazing at 24 million people but friends Some have calculated the New Jerusalem might house a minimum of 2 billion people. Some say as high as up to 35 billion people can be housed in this city, especially if it is a cube. All right, let's go to our fourth heading at the bottom of page 6 and then at the top of page 7. Question number 23, heaven is God's home. Who will live in the new earth in Revelation 22 and verse 3? And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it. Uh, And his servants shall serve him. Isn't that amazing? Who will live in the new earth? The throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it. Friends, heaven and the new earth will be God's home. And of course, the greatest joy will be to see Heavenly Father The Lord Jesus Christ, who's our Lord and Saviour and the Blessed and Precious Holy Spirit, the third person of the Godhead. Question 24, who will the righteous see in the new earth? In Revelation 22 and verse 4, they shall see his face and his name shall be on their foreheads. King James says in their foreheads. They shall see his face and his name shall be in or on their foreheads. That is the glorious good news of heaven jesus will be there the one who died for us who will be our constant companion that's what makes it heaven without christ it wouldn't be heaven that must be the real reason that we want to go to heaven we are so in love with the lord jesus that we want to see him who died for us and as the poet has said so eloquently oh heaven without my savior would be no heaven to me dim were the walls of jasper rayless the crystal sea so friends the question we've got to ask is what is the whole point of going to heaven There's a very very simple answer friends and that is that you and i want to meet and finally see jesus christ face to face that is going to be the day that i'm longing for that's the day that i'm hoping for and i hope you are too question 25 or well, how can we be there What do we need to do how should we respond in psalm 24 3 and 4 david wrote who may ascend into the hill of the lord or the house of the lord or who may stand in his holy place he who has clean hands and a pure heart who has not lifted up his soul to an idol nor sworn deceitfully so friends how can i be there he who has clean hands and a pure heart Friends, the only way to be there is to have clean hands and a pure heart, which is the way of forgiveness through a dying Christ and the way of a new heart and power to live through a living Christ. When the Lord of heaven sweeps through the gates of the new Jerusalem with the redeemed of all ages, the question is asked, by what right do you enter here? And the answer returns in bold refrain, we come by the blood red banner of Calvary. You know, friends, there's no other way to come. No other door, no other gate. Everyone who enters the city will come by the way, the way of the cross. Will you lift up the way of the cross and its banner now by an act of deliberate choice? There's no compulsion here, just a gentle appeal. But it means life, eternal life, if you'll accept it. Friends, I want to remind you again that a relationship with Jesus is the greatest thing in this life and that forever friendship will last through eternity. It's worth every moment of time you're spending in prayer, in Bible study, in sharing your faith with others because Jesus loves you. He loved you to his death and beyond. Question 26. What is the final invitation of scripture in Revelation twenty-two seventeen? which is the last chapter of the Bible, and the Holy Spirit and the Bride, which is the New Jerusalem, say, come to all the Christians, and let him who hears say come, and let him who thirsts come. Whoever desires, let him take the water of life freely. Friends, this appeal, this invitation is made to all the nations of the world, whatever nationality, whatever languages, tongues, nation, people, or uh, subgroups, whatever they are, Whatever faiths they are, they are all invited to the kingdom of heaven. So the spirit and the bride say, come, let him who hears say, come, and let him who thirsts come, whoever desires, let him take the water of life freely. So God's invitation is open to everyone. Over the last couple of weeks, you have studied the great truths of the word of God in this prophecy seminar. And so you've come face to face with Jesus Christ and been asked to establish a deep personal relationship with him through daily Bible study and prayer and weekly Sabbath keeping. So friends, how can you get started on weekly Sabbath keeping? Well, it's very, very simple. And that is the worldwide church that sponsors these programs is the Seventh-day Adventist Church. We call ourselves Seventh-day in honor of the Seventh-day Sabbath from Genesis 2, 1 to 3. And Adventist is just an old-fashioned word for the second coming of Jesus. So we are Sabbath keepers who believe Jesus is coming back soon. You can contact any local Seventh-day Adventist church, ask for Bible studies. You can ask to um, speak with the pastor or have Bible studies commenced. So I'm inviting you to do that. And it's worth every effort you make to connect with the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, friends, the only ones who enter the holy city are those who have established a relationship with Jesus. And the only way to begin this relationship is by accepting him as your Lord and Savior. Well, a number of years ago, a man named John Lennon made up a song, and it was, Imagine There's No Heaven. Look, I'm going to Banish that song and I'm going to wipe it out and say, just imagine there is a heaven. Why would I say that? Because, friends, this book says so. The Holy Bible. What's Bible stand for? Basic instructions before leaving earth. What a great book that is. It's getting us ready for heaven. So imagine there is a heaven. God's word promises you is it is really easy if you try friends heaven is a real place i'm going to ask you to subscribe to this true blue sda youtube channel and if you subscribe then soon i hope to load up this sermon in search for a place called heaven and i know that you're going to really enjoy that sermon because i'm going to show you the location the bible proves the location of where heaven really is We now go to our last question of the Prophecy Seminar Lessons. Is it your desire to develop a beautiful relationship with Jesus through daily Bible study, daily prayer, and weekly Sabbath keeping that you might be among the people who enter the Holy City? Well, friends, I don't need a lot of time to answer that. I'm putting, yes, Lord, please pick me. But the question is, how do we get there? The answer comes in Revelation 22, verse 14. Blessed are those who do his commandments. It's talking about obedience, a response of love, that they might have right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates of the heavenly city into the new Jerusalem, that great city. Friends, I want to tell you that things are about to wrap up here on planet Earth. And I have a warning I want to share with you. My warning is the history of planet Earth is about to end. It's time to get off this planet. Friends, Jesus is coming back sooner than you can even dream or imagine. I want to ask you tonight, are you ready? What's holding you back? Is it friends? Is it family? Is it finances? Is it work? Whatever it is, is not worth sacrificing for eternity. Many of you have been with us on this 32-week, eight-month journey, and I want to tell you that God has blessed us as we've dug down deep into his word to find the rich nuggets of gold, which are his truths. I want to encourage you to pray earnestly to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour. Friends, this is the greatest decision you will ever make. You just need to say in a prayer and ask Jesus to come into your heart. And you know what? He absolutely will. Well, as we close our session, what did we discover in the final session of our lesson? Where did humans go when they die? They sleep in the grave until the second coming of Jesus. Rewards are not given until the second and third coming of Christ, not at death. Number two, why do we go to heaven for 1,000 years? So the righteous can review God's judgments over who's saved. Number 3, what type of bodies do we have in heaven and in the new earth, are they spirit or flesh? The bodies we have are real flesh and bone bodies, not spirit or ghost-like bodies. And that's why Jesus ate the food to convince them. Number 4, what is the main point of going to heaven? Friends, it's it's really just very simple. It's just one thing, and that is to meet Jesus Christ, heavenly Father and Holy Spirit face to face. Well, we're on to our last quiz envelope for the series, and I have two response questions. If it's your desire to be in the new earth with Jesus, I'm asking you to tick box number one. That's something I'm sure that we all want. Number two, if you still feel you need further time to study the various truths that you've learned in the prophecy seminar, and you'd like me to pray that God will help you to make your decision to follow these truths very soon, I'm asking you to please place a tick in box number two. Friends, if during this series you made a decision to study the Bible or to be baptised, I want to tell you, if you put that decision off in a very, very short period of time, that conviction will fade. It'll just evaporate in the hot sun. It'll fade away. I'm really encouraging you to make a decision tonight that you're going to contact someone for Bible studies, that you're going to go to your local church and you are going to find in God's last day remnant church a home and a joy and a peace that comes from the kingdom of heaven. Now quiz questions tonight are just true and false let's go straight into question one heaven and the new earth are real places true or false number two our bodies and the new earth and in heaven will be spirit not flesh and bone bodies our bodies in the new earth will only be spirit they'll not be flesh and bone bodies true or false number three the new earth is recreated and then located up there in heaven the new earth is located up there in heaven the starry heaven the third heaven we're talking about true or false number four when we get to heaven We spend 1,000 years there before returning to the new earth. True or false? And number five, when people die, they go straight up to heaven. By the same token, they'd have to go straight down to hell. Is that true or false? All right, let's go through our answers. Number one, the answer is true. Number two, the answer is false. Number three, the answer is false. Number four, the answer is true. And number five, the answer is false. Friends, we're going to have a look at our wall of truth, the Prophecy Seminar Wall of Truth. We started tonight in Lesson 32 in Daniel 12. And in Lesson 32, we discovered that heaven is a real place. I have an assignment for you for Lesson 33. I'm asking you to start the Prophecy Seminar with someone else soon. Don't leave it too late. It can be with your children. It could be with your partner. You can download the lessons there on the internet. I've given you the links there in the description bar on YouTube. Um, or you can order the supplies from your local 7th Avenue Adventist church. It's called the Red Folder Prophecy Seminar, the Texas Seminar Prophecy Seminar. So friends, I'm asking you to start the Prophecy Seminar with someone else soon. I also am thinking that maybe in the new year we may put up a new seminar series called the Revelation Seminar. That's a separate and new seminar series, which is only 24 lessons, and that is a great seminar series. If you're interested in that and you want to uh, follow on with that seminar series in the new year, then please let me know and contact me. Let's pray as we close. Gracious Heavenly Father, Jesus Christ our Saviour and Holy Spirit, I want to thank you for this amazing series, the Daniel and Revelation Prophecy Seminar series, Lord. We've been very blessed to go through it. Thank you for the amazing truths that we've learned. Thank you so much for the peace that has put in our hearts. Thank you for giving us the seventh-day Sabbath, and that is the seal of God, the antidote to the mark of the beast i pray for everyone who will hear this message tonight that their hopes are lifted up that heaven is a real place that jesus christ heavenly father has prepared for us a mansion in heaven and that we can go there soon my prayer is that we'll go there as unbroken families with nobody missing and i ask that you'll bless everyone who hears this message and attempts to follow it through the name, power, and authority of Jesus Christ of Nazareth and the beautiful and powerful Holy Spirit of God, I ask it in his precious name. Amen.
0: You've been listening to Prophecy Seminar, the book of Daniel with Pastor David Price. For more information about this series, you can visit the YouTube page, True Blue SDA, all one word, That's True Blue SDA.
1: This program has been brought to you by 3ABN Australia Radio.